Hey, busy business people. I am here today with another entrepreneur taking action, AJ Saunders. He helped a blog grow their organic traffic by 300 to 400%, and I'm getting the scoop on how he did it. So to kick things off, like I know using content marketing to grow affiliate income is a big part of what you do. Can you just briefly explain like what affiliate marketing is and then like why blogging is important to affiliate marketing? Sure. So how I see affiliate marketing is I see it as basically you're writing content around either products or people and then you're monetizing that either by running adverts, running um, by saying people to buy certain products or by getting them to take a certain actions. So, for example, if you if you're working with like a software company and you get the, you get some you get some some money every time somebody signs up for for like a SaaS product or they buy a buy a product. So that's that's how I kind of see affiliate marketing. So I, I try to think of it as simply as possible, just because I think that's the easiest way, way to do it. But yeah, you, you're you're essentially getting you're monetizing action people that take action in a way. And then content is really, really important because I think in order to get people to take an action, you have to build trust. I think the best way to build trust is content. And I think, you know, with with a lot of products, actually, you can can find something unique that you can talk about that instantly builds trust, instantly builds credibility and pushes people to want to take action by your link, which is the very important thing. Okay. I love that. Now let's talk about like that blog where you increased organic traffic by 300 to 400%. Like what did you do to make that happen? Like how long did that take? So sure. So that's uh, one of my consultancy clients. So what I actually did with him is he actually had a pretty good blog to begin with. He just wasn't really targeting any keywords and he wasn't doing any of the on-page tricks that, that you know, we, we all know. So he had really long kind of essay driven paragraphs, which nobody is reading and nobody wants to read. He had very little subheadings. He had very little internal or external links. And he used very, very little media. So pretty much, I think on about 10, 10 maybe 20 blogs, what we did is we just worked through. I said, right, okay. Take take these massive lots of texts and either break them up into, into two or three lines and have them as new paragraphs or break them up into smaller sections that then have two or three lines per paragraph. And so you're actually then then kind of helping the user actually get through the, the content. So that's one of the first things we did. The second thing that, that, that we talked about is saying, can we put, can, can we, can we rearrange the, the content so it answers the user's questions? So, you know, if, if you're talking about like a book that you've read that was amazing and it was life-changing, you know, what questions are people going to want to know about that book in their, in, when they read a review? So they're going to want, how long is it going to take me to read the book? Um, what, you know, what are the big three or five takeaways? Um, where can I go to find out more about the author? Those, those kinds of questions that are really easy to kind of think about and think up. Um, but, but also, you know, we're, we're saying something like a book, you can then, you can then um, summarize each kind of chapter kind of into a sentence or two. And that can be really, really useful because if people can't get to the book or keep putting off getting reading to the book, I mean, we're guilty of that, aren't we, right? Um, mm-hmm. We've all got a pile of books, haven't we? <laughs> I'll get to that someday. Um, you know, ha- having a really short summary actually is, can be really, really impactful in terms of converting traffic as well. You, I like you that strategy too, like the answering questions. I think that's yeah. really, really, really important. That's something a mm. lot of people tend to overlook. Right. And then, and then I think the, the other thing is that I I look at trust on the page in terms of how Google must look at it. So I look at it and say, okay, right. Have I taken, have I taken time to find resources that I can link to that kind of reinforce my points that are both on my site and off my site? So if, if you're writing a book review, have you linked to, say, the author? Have you linked to where you can get, say, on, on Amazon? Have you linked to other, you know, reviews or what, say, some of these produce, like, a really, really great video review or maybe even a, even a podcast with the author where they talk about the book? Those kind of resources can be really great because 
say it's entrepreneurial book, you may have a whole section of them. So you may, you know, be able to link them in and say, actually, you know, I've read this after reading this book, which is really, really good, you know. And so then, then you're creating kind of links between, you, uh, you're creating more of a mesh kind of relationship between different blog posts on your site that actually drives users between different pages and different posts and keeps them on your site, but also builds credibility in terms of you look like you know what you're talking about because you're linking to all these different places that reinforce your central points. And you're showing that you're actually reading a lot of these different books and stuff too, right. that you're not just like talking about one book, you're talking about no. like a bunch of different books on similar yeah. topics yeah. and kind of making yeah. yourself a trusted resource. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think exactly. I've really thought about that. And a lot of book reviews yeah. and stuff, they're typically just like, here's this book I read and here's what I got out of it. And like, they're not really thinking about it mm. from like, okay, if mm. you're thinking about buying this book yeah. or maybe considering if you should buy this book, like what right. questions would you have? That's really exactly. important. If you're doing yeah. affiliate links, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, but, a really smart little takeaway. Yeah. But, 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 but it, it also works if you're reviewing like lawnmowers, right? Mm -hmm. It's the it's the same kind of thing. You know, if you sit there and you say, right, what makes this lawnmower unique? versus x y or z and then you start to kind of roll that out and then you can you can then start to bring in so the reason that i like this more than say x is because x doesn't do this very well but y does this very well and it's going to be really really helpful to the the end user and also then you create relationships you link out to other products on the site you could even talk about like why you upgraded lawnmowers exactly. or why you got a different lawnmower exactly and Especially yeah. if somebody's like, oh, I have that exact same one and I have that yeah. exact same problem. And like, right, 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 this exactly. would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, that's like, that's a really smart little takeaway. It's like I've been doing content for 15 years and I don't think I have literally thought about it like that yeah. when it comes to like review type posts specifically. Mm. Um, I guess it's just the difference with affiliate marketing. I mean, like I just yeah. signed up for my little affiliate thing with Amazon nice, and just started nice. like maybe a couple months ago maybe sure. is when i did all that um yeah. we had somebody at eta uh william map that was talking about affiliate oh, yeah. marketing and yeah, he was yeah. like everything has affiliate links and i'm like no yeah and yeah. i went and looked at every piece of software that i was already using and it's like i think probably 95 percent of them yeah. had affiliate programs yeah. Yeah. And then Amazon's everything has an affiliate. I'm telling people about books all the time. Exactly. And it's exactly. like, and their affiliate yeah. program's weird. Like, I thought it was like, well, only people buy these books. I'm like, I'm not going to make any money on that. But it's like, anything they buy in like 24 hours, like, I've got yeah. an affiliate exactly. revenue on toothpaste. I didn't review exactly. toothpaste. Exactly. 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 You know, and, it's and, crazy. And, the, and then the, the other little trick trick with Amazon, which I'm just sharing between you and me, all right? So don't, don't share this with anyone. Um, <laughs> That they also reward you mightily for bounties. So if you get some of these sites like Prime or Audible, I in the UK it's three pounds. So I'm guessing that's like maybe three dollars or five dollars in the US. But you get that when okay. they just sign up. And I think that's even if they just take a free trial, you still get that bounty. Because hmm. Amazon have obviously calculated that the lifetime value of somebody on Audible or on um, Prime is you know means that they can spend ridiculous amounts of money on affiliates, right? Paying their affiliates. So actually, that's one thing that I'm trying, my little secret between us. Hmm. <laughs> that makes I, sense, because I, I mean, like, once you're on Prime, there's no going back. No, I mean, no. you know, and people that like Audible for audiobooks, I mean, it's like once they get into it, they either like listen to one or two and hate it, or they're addicted. Mm, mm. And I've seen this trend here lately, even where people are recommending that you listen to Audible at the same time that you're reading the actual yeah, book. So that. it's yeah. like by both. And it's yeah. like, you know, I can see that because that's how yeah. I learn best. It's like I read the captions on videos. Right. So it would make sense to, you know, yeah, I would absorb better if I did the same thing with a book. Yeah. It just never occurred to me. <laughs> no, no. So yeah. it's like, that's something, well, that would be a neat little takeaway right there. Wouldn't exactly. it? When you do a book review, like make that recommendation and say like, oh, by the way, you should right. also consider getting so, the audio book so, on Audible so, oh. and the actual book. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Bump up and, that affiliate <laughs> revenue a little exactly, bit. Exactly, Yeah. <laughs> I think like one of the books I was reading, he actually makes that recommendation at the beginning of the book. He's like, this mm. is like an expert tip. He's like, go grab the audiobook and listen to it yeah. while you're reading my book yeah. and you'll yeah. absorb it a lot yeah. better. And it's like, yeah, 
Magic. Hmm. Like, I normally hate audiobooks because I can't absorb just listening. So no. I think I'm going to try it. But yeah, that would be a neat strategy on the review. Yeah. So there's another little nugget. Um, is, yeah. Especially if they're doing better with the Audible things. And you can be like, hey, exactly. you need to sign up for Prime so you can have this book in two days. And then yeah. you need to sign up for Audible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we've talked about a lot of scenarios where blogging makes sense for affiliate marketing. Are there any where it wouldn't? Like, is there any type of affiliate marketing where it doesn't make sense to do blogging? Sure. I think if you're doing something like, say, you're running like a sports website, people, you know, because it's so um, so fast paced and so fast moving, you're not really going to have time to really write any content about that. So, for example, I follow tennis. I'm a massive tennis fan. And there's there's literally a new tournament every day, and so pe- 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 people literally will finish. So something that I follow Simone Halep. So Simone Halep finished the U.S. Open like Monday, flew back to she's Romanian, and will probably be out playing again you know next week, right? And so by the time you've written loads of content about that, the the the, the whole space has moved on. And it's the same thing with like American football. There's a new game every week, isn't there? And I know you you guys have just come into football season. And so things like that, there's just no, there, there may be value in like being a curator. So being able to pull all of this information into one spot and then surround it with affiliate links, right? So then therefore you're not actually writing any content. You're just, you know, pulling in content from other people's sites. But yeah, I think something like that. Um, another one would be something like gambling. I follow one of the biggest gambling sites in the UK called gambling.com. Um, I know they they get a lot of their traffic literally by just having really well written reviews. They don't have a lot of content on their site other than that. They have a lot of market insight into you know what, where the market is going, but I doubt people read their blog. Yeah, okay. unless you're a hardcore kind of gambling fan. But that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So like fast moving industries or something mm. like that would be really hard. Exactly. To, and there's other ways to drive traffic yeah. without having to produce a bunch of content. That makes sense. No. Um, so kind of along that same vein, like why is organic traffic so important? Like versus like, I guess, paid or any other sure. you know manner of traffic. Yeah. So to me, organic is really, really important because you may not make enough money or you may not have enough trust to convert well enough at the beginning. So you want to be getting organic traffic because if you're paying for traffic, the, the numbers may not stack up correctly. And therefore, if the aim is to make money, which it hopefully is, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you, you need to be working hard on organic. But I think there's lots of things that you can do in order to bring lots of good, strong organic traffic, like answering questions, thinking of where the user is in the buying cycle um, and creating content around each step in the buying cycle. And really encourage, you know, encouraging them to go on to the next step, next step, next step, and then finally buy the item. So, and I think all, all of that, you know, like, like you said earlier, I think all of that kind of builds a, a, a depth to your content. And it builds a depth that Google then starts to realize that you're an authority on whatever. So you're an authority on gardening. Just don't want to talk about gardening, but let's talk about gardening. Um, right? <laughs> I think, if, you know, if, if you have all of those pieces of content about gardening, you, you, you then can really, really start to get lots of organic traffic and you'll start to see lots of, you'll see your site ranking for lots of key terms that you maybe not have targeted, but Google thinks that it's relevant to show you for the key terms and therefore you start to see traffic kind of creep up. And that can be really, really exciting. That can also create other problems where you see, you know, a, a really high bounce rate and at that point you go, right, okay, actually that's a really great keyword that I can write a piece about. I haven't thought about that keyword. And it's still giving you love for no reason at all, other than kind of understands where you're going. And then you can write a piece that matches the user intent a bit better, and you can reduce the bounce rate you know, even further, maybe even get in a higher position by writing a new piece of content. Well, and that brings up another good point, too. So it's like, I know a lot of people, when they get into affiliate marketing, they just kind of go sign up for everything that they can sign up for. Mm. and they don't really have a central theme. Like, does it make sense, you know, from what you just said with Google, to, like, make your blog about a central theme and only talk about, like, affiliate products in that theme? So, I'm currently pivoting. So I'm currently, uh, one of my websites is a really, really broad topic. I'm currently pivoting to literally two topics. So I'm going from lots and lots and lots to very, very little. 
and you know I've sold loads of, so it's household products I've been selling, right? So I've been selling lots and lots of household products. It's been really, really great. But I feel that I haven't kind of been able to dominate an area and build real authority in one area or two areas. And so I've gone back and we, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about building out kind of p- pillars and um, content structures that way, which is really, really interesting. And so, yeah, so that's what I'm currently working on is pivoting to dominate, you know, all two things. I think the other thing is I've been spending a lot of time this year with people that are trying to get big on YouTube. And um, the name that keeps popping up is Peter McKinnon, who's a photographer. Uh, I don't know who he is, but apparently he's amazing. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but what he started doing like five years ago is building out content around how to take photos or how to edit photos. And so now if you type on YouTube, like how to edit photos or you know tips to take better photos, he's that first guy. And so you can't escape him, you know. If, if, if you're looking, you know, on YouTube for photos, he's he's going to be the top for everything. And you know, he's now got deals with I think, you know, with big camera manufacturers, and he's selling I think like a million or two dollars, yeah, a million or two dollars a year of like filters for Instagram and TikTok and those kind of things. So he's done really really well by literally just dominating his little area. Yeah. Um, so yeah yeah i know that's one of the strategies like i talk about a lot too when it comes to content is it's like pick your like three to five like core topic areas and then write at least 20 to 30 pieces of content in that topic Mm. area but Mm. it can be broad enough that you end up with hundreds yeah inside of that one topic you know but you just become such an authority on it um and i know Mm. like the resource cluster method that I teach a lot just makes a lot more sense versus like the traditional, like it is a type of pillar page. I think that's one thing a lot of people don't realize Mm. is that there Mm. are multiple types of pillar pages. There's the traditional like 10 X pillar that everybody's heard of where it's like a ton of content. Um, But there's also resource pillars, which are just links to resources on that topic. Some of those resources could be blog articles. They could be podcast episodes. They could be Mm. videos. They could be product links. They could be, you know, whatever you want them to be. But you make one page that's like the repository of Mm. how you get to the things that matter on this topic and do it that way. And it's so much easier to put together and you get all the benefit. Yeah. of writing those yeah. big 10x pillars without having to write right. a 10,000 word <laughs> yeah, pillar yeah, yeah, that you yeah, have right, to maintain right, right. you know yeah. like that's yeah so like there's just there's lots of different ways to go about that but yeah i think mm. it's really important um yeah. to kind of get clear on something i think especially when it comes to affiliate marketing because you're not necessarily writing from a business perspective right like if you have a business you have like your niche in the world that you specialize exactly, in exactly, yeah. and you're approaching yeah. it that way. But when it's affiliate, yeah. like, you know, Oh, I'm going to gather all the links and I'm going to build one website. And I'm going to talk mm. about everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I, 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 I hardly agree. I think, I think it's much better to pick, you know, some topics that you're really passionate about rather than trying to be broad and trying to answer everything. Yeah, because well, I, think I think that's something too. Topics. Like you know, not just what like if you're talking about what you're passionate about, I think you still have to yeah. be careful though, right? Because exactly. it's like I'm passionate exactly. about a lot of things. Like yeah. I like crafting stuff, I like Halloween decorations, I like books, right. I like right. yeah. cooking recipes. Yeah, and I think I've seen a lot of like affiliate websites that are like that, where it's just chaos. You know, it's like here's everything that I like, but <laughs> yeah, my little yeah, ADD yeah. self has like got a new <laughs> right. hobby every two months. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, I'm never going to be like, if I no. wrote a blog like that, like it's never going to rank well, no, you know, it's no. never going to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that's why I think a lot of these mummy bloggers kind of, they have, they have the right intent. They have the right passion that it's just misdirected. Right. And I think, you know, they, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, they see somebody sit down and say, right, actually just pick three or four things that you can actually have impact in. And that's one of the things that I've realized and that's one reason I'm pivoting is I realize I'm not passionate about certain topics and there are better resources out there that I can never outrank. And so even though the payoff may be, you know, exponentially bigger than, you know, what I'm pivoting to, I'm only ever going to be a tiny, tiny goldfish in a massive ocean. Right. And so I'm never going to get to to a critical mass where I'm actually living on the island, you know, smoking cigars and drinking rum. <laughs> right? 
oh man, that's the dream, isn't it? Like work less, make more, or not work at all and still make more. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man. So it's like, we've talked about, you have to put out like a whole lot of content and mm. I know there's some questions anytime I talk to anybody about content that they all have. So let's pick your brain on those. Um, I know one of the big ones is what do I write about? You know, we hear that one a lot. Like how do I even figure out what I should be writing? Like what's some tips? Sure. So after you've identified like four or five big topics, I then say, right. Okay. Think about what. Think about how it breaks down. So if you take something like cars, for example, just, you, you know, your, your, your big topic at the top is cars, right? At the, at the top of the pyramid is cars. And then your next level down is probably, well, what do people have associations with the cars? And the first thing people think of with cars is brand, right? So then you build up pages about different car brands and maybe, so you could do a page with each car brand. You could do X versus Y, Y versus X, X versus Z, those kind of things. So Ford versus Lincoln, GMC versus Bentley, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's unfair comparison, but anyway. Um, and and then, then kind of next rung down is you then can think about, okay, so what are the typical characteristics that people buy cars for? So somebody might buy a Bentley, what I want to buy, because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're stylish, they're well-dressed. I'm not describing myself, of course, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but, right. But it's probably like the worst family car you can ever have. So, you know, it's, it's understanding those different characteristics and then producing content around, you know, what is the best car, you know, if you're fashion conscious or you're style conscious, what is the best, you know, um, city car. So for me, like driving a Bentley, I live in a big city here in the UK, is a nightmare because the traffic is slower than walking, right? Yep. Whereas driving something like a Fiat 500, which is a little kind of, well, you probably call it like compact, <laughs> compact, right? <laughs> um, the Fiat 500 is, is like the perfect city car because it sits like literally two people scrunched up. And because it's so small, you can whiz it out, right? But again, yeah. it, it's, it's imperfect for saying moving lots of big things. So you may want to go for like a Ford truck or, um, a, you know, a Lincoln. You know, whereas if you're doing a lot of off riding, off roading, you may want to go for something like a Land Rover or etc right and so it, to me you know yeah so brands then understanding the you know, different characteristics because people don't buy you know color, color to me is a secondary kind of function right so pe people aren't going to buy a car because they see you know well a very very tiny percentage of people will buy a car based on the color <laughs> right yeah um so I'm guessing with you, you've got a blue car. <laughs> no, I've got you a white okay. one. You got a white one. Okay, come okay. in blue. I know. <laughs> well, that's pretty much point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. my frugal self just can't bring myself to go get it repainted. It crossed my mind. But okay. I was like, you know, there's literally no reason to other than I want to. We'll so. <laughs> yeah. Or well, you can get it wrapped. I, I think any cost it. It has crossed my mind. I'm, it yeah, really yeah, has. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, say messages now to, to encourage you to, to be brave and do, do something stupid for a change. <laughs> Go get the car out. Um, yep. So yeah, so you know, it, it it really is thinking. It's really thinking putting your shoes in your market and trying to kind of figure out what people are asking. So that's one way of doing it. Um, the other way of doing it is if you have customers, if you run like an offline business is literally over the course of the next month or two months noting down every time somebody says oh i wish i had x or how does y work because actually your customers are giving you the way to build authority and to build trust with them because they clearly can't find an answer to their question or the answer is too hard to find and what the great thing about that is because they're asking you in question form ranking for questions on google is far far easier than trying to rank for the like the head key the head key term, which is like a word or two, right? right. And that long tail traffic is going to be far, far more productive for your business because it's going to convert better. Because if somebody comes and you know says, "Why, why won't my four start in the morning?" Right? Yeah. And you give them ten ways that it won't, it why it won't start, and what to do about it. And then at the bottom, you have, you know, if you live in Minnesota, call, call us now. You're far more authoritative than the person that says, "Well, we fix fours." 
Yeah. And because lots of people are just doing we fix fours, that you know, that's fantastic, isn't it? And not trying to educate and help their customers. Yeah, I know answering questions is like so powerful. That's usually yeah. what I tell people to do. It's like just think about questions people would ask or like yeah, go online absolutely. and look. You know, yeah. like go look yeah. at like I know Cora is a good one. I'm probably absolutely. murdering how you say that one. Cora, Cora. I don't know. I, I think it's Cora, yeah. 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 It's like a lot of people go there and ask questions. You can find questions yeah. on um Reddit, Facebook absolutely. groups where yeah. your audience yeah. is hanging out. Absolutely. Um, if, if, if you're selling to customers, you can always go to Amazon and see what questions people have in your general category. So you may not have the, yep. you, they may not be saying your particular type of products, but I, I you know, I, I, I would assume that they are saying something very, very similar, and people are asking questions about that, and you can use that question as content. Yeah, I didn't even thought about so, that, but yeah, most yeah. Amazon products they have like a question and answer section. Absolutely, absolutely. Or um, even in the reviews, sometimes absolutely. people will say yeah. like, "Hey, yeah. I didn't know did this," yeah. or you know, and yeah. da, da, da. like that yeah, would all absolutely. be good things. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's smart, yeah. especially for that affiliate is, stuff. Yeah, and th and then and then one one final little tip that I can't I have to give credit to our our, our mutual friend the other Christina. Um, <laughs> she she said to me, and this this actually hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was like, "This is really really smart." She said, you know, what happens if you have, like, searching on a site? Can you see those results? And I was like, oh, because, you know, it's the most obvious thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. if, if, if your users are you searching on your site for content and it's not there, that's the best place to start. Yeah, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. But, yeah, you can yeah. see it because, like, I know especially WordPress, like, it'll show you, like, the question yeah. mark yeah. S equals, and you can see that yeah. in the URLs. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I so, thought, oh, now I'm going to so, have to go look at mine. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> well, let, let, let you're not supposed to give me homework on these. <laughs> We're giving our audience homework. I know, I know, I know. But, but yeah, so, <laughs> again, yeah, because Christine is such a great marketer, you know. Oh, yeah. She is inspiring. I was just she talking is. to her She's yesterday incredible. again. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, again, when she said to me, I was like, why did I think of that? <laughs> right? I was just like, uh, I feel so stupid. I'll go, I'll go sit in the corner with the other, <laughs> the other idiots. So, yeah, I yeah. haven't even thought about that. Like, I've never thought about that. I've literally been doing content for 15 years. That has never crossed my mind. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I know what I'm doing when this call is over. Right, exactly. Man, that's crazy. Okay, so yeah, that's a really good tip that I bet yeah. a lot of people haven't thought about. And you can mm. see that in your analytics yeah. and stuff because yeah. you can see the pages yeah. that they're going for. It might exactly. not be super obvious if no. you don't know what you're looking no. for, but I know, like I said, WordPress, it's like S yeah. equals, and then it'll show the then search then query in the URL. Probably, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> Um, I know another question I get from people a lot is like, how many articles should I be writing every week, every month? Like, that's a really common one. I think everybody expects us to say like, oh, you can do one a month and you'll get where you want to go. But like, what's your, what's your take on that? Sure. So I'm a massive fan of trying to pump out as much as possible. So on my main website at the moment, I'm doing four posts a week. And lots of people think that's really, really scary and that's really, really quickly and I'm going to run out of ideas. But I think if, if you're creating products that have so many questions that you can answer, you know, even, even if it's just a short seven, 800 word blog post, right? You can still crank one or two of them out a day and therefore you're, you're then getting further ahead of yourself. So I do think we've got to the point where Google wants to usable authority before it starts to recognize that you exist i think the best way to build authority and we, we we have talked about this before is just making sure that you have enough content on your site that is also it's not just it's not just length of content it's depth of content so it's trying to answer you know as much of that su subject topic as possible and do it, it in a way that links together and and helps the user actually make a decision or educates them and so there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with doing more i follow a guy called john dustra who runs batsack blog who has a team of writers and he's publishing an article a day across multiple sites but he's got all the presses and he's got like clockwork and it's just he blows my mind right um yep. he's trying to publish at the moment a million words in three months just as an experiment mm -hmm. 
because he can, right? Because he's got the money. He, he's got the budget to do so that. So, yeah, he's just... <laughs> it's insane when you read that, right? Um, so, so you there know. is no too much. Is there too little? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and... The, again, I, because, because I think people... Because I think Google looks at relevancy and authority instead of the depth of content... I think if you're publishing like once a month or you're publishing really sporadically, you're not proving to, to Google or the user that you actually have what it takes to be be successful. And I think in, in, unless you're like a thought leader where you can actually get loads and loads of backlinks and you can write comprehensively about one topic, and so you are 10xing it, right? Like Brian Dean does, right? Where he writes these massive four, 5,000, 6,000 word articles. And he publishes yeah. like once, once a month, I think it is, or maybe like twice a month. There's no way to, to really gain authority unless you're doing that. And I know for a fact, behind the scenes, every post, I think he sends out about two, 300 link requests to people to say, can you read this? Can you link to it if you like it? Right? Mm, I think yeah. in, in, unless you can do that scale, which I think he obviously, this is all the processes in place and got the team to do that. It's much better to just focus on publishing as much decent quality content as possible that answers these user queries. You don't focus on length. You don't focus on any of that internet hill hard that you read about, right? Um, yeah. And you, you just focus on on what you think the user wants or what you think the user can 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 gain from reading your site and being on your site as long as possible. I know one trick I learned because everybody always stresses on that, like you know, what should my title be and how long should it be. One trick I learned a few years back is to take mm. your keywords and just search it and just right. very quickly, don't spend a lot of time on it, but very quickly, just look at the top 10 results, mm. you know, cause if you search that keyword and you know, a lot of people get hung up on, is this awareness content or consideration content or decision content? You know, Google will tell you what people are looking for. It'll yeah, tell you this keyword is what it needs. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. if you type your keyword in and the like eight of the 10 results are like a listicle, like the top eight yeah, things you yeah. need to know, no, then yeah. It's looking for a listicle type absolutely, post. Absolutely. Like you yeah. need to write a list post. If, if yeah. everything you see is how to yeah. do your keyword, then you need to write a how to. Well, like how it's to. not that yeah. hard. Yeah. And no. you can like look at the average length yeah. on the first 10. Just click them really quickly yeah. and come back. Like don't waste yeah. a lot of time. And like no. if I've seen some where it's like the top ranking post for like 300 words. Because yeah. that's all it took to answer the question. The question like, exactly, what exactly. is content marketing? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. So, like, a really short article exactly. can rank exactly. really well without having yeah. to be in depth. So, that yeah. was a neat little trick that I learned. And we use that mm. a lot um, in my yeah. content production company at Content Ninjas. We use that one yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, I, it just I, it I, just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the other thing that I, I've discovered and I've now shared with a couple of clients is actually if you have, like, so, like, a how-to question, it's like... Um, how, how to reduce stress using vitamins, right? And you type into Google, and Google gives you all these mismatched pages that are like that don't really match that intent. To me, I get really excited at that point because I think I can write an article with that exact um, keyword as a title, and nothing more, nothing less. And I know I can rank pretty high pretty quickly because Google will notice that I've matched the intent of the question with my answer. Mm, and pe pe people. People don't really get that because they they get into this they get into this thing of well you know if all the results to this you know don't mention the keyword we we mustn't we must avoid mentioning the keyword I'm like well no it's just Google is trying to find the best information to give and so far it hasn't matched the user's intent with with the best with the best content so there's a bit there's a slight mismatch there even if it's just very slight and by you going in and saying right here's the question here's your answer. You're sorted, aren't you? You're done. Yeah, I haven't thought about that, but yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I think a lot of people don't really understand how Google actually works, like no. what it's there for. Like, it's a search engine. Its entire Ooh. intent is to help people answer questions, and its goal yeah. is to find yeah. the best possible answers right. for exactly. your question. And yeah. when you're writing content, your goal is to be the best yeah. possible answer. Yeah. Yeah. for that question well, it's, yeah. that's the only way google's gonna find you I think that makes mm. sense now i know when we're talking about publishing a lot of content another mistake i see people make and i know me and you i think are kind of like in agreement on some of this you need to keep track of like what you're writing you need to have your inventory because you don't yeah. need to be competing with yourself no for the same topic yeah. um and this is one i see people do a lot like especially if you're doing things like um 
oh, like gift posts are really common. Like the top, you know, 10 gifts for mom in 2021 for Mother's Day or something like that. Like you might do that, especially in the affiliate world and have links. Yeah. And you'd be tempted to write another post every year for 2021, 2022, Mm. 2023. Mm. But the smarter thing is to leave the year out of the URL, put it in the title, but leave it out of the URL and then update that post every Absolutely. year keep Absolutely. it frequent keep it relevant yeah. and keep that you know link that integrity of something's been around mm-hmm. for like two or three years that you're updating yeah. every year yeah. with new stuff and you can change it. it might not be 10 things one year it might be 15 it might be eight it might be whatever yeah. so you can yeah. change the title yeah that your url would just be like top mother's day gifts for mom yeah and your title's like top 10 mother's day gifts for mom in mm-hmm. 2021 for example mm-hmm. or something like that so i know that's so Speak to that really briefly, like keeping track of your inventory of content and then coming back and updating old content. Sure. So I, I've developed a keyword map that I use and I teach my clients, which basically has, it, it's, a, it, it's an Excel document that has three tabs. So we have an ideas tab, a drafts tab, and a published tab. And basically... In that published tab, I, I literally just list out everything. So what keywords I'm targeting, when I publish, the URL, the meta description. So if I actually if I'm writing something for an email or I'm writing something for social, actually having the meta description is a really great jumping off point. Um, and so I have what information. And so then, then I can see, I can, you know, I can also search by like topic, um, you know, e- even if it's just grabbing like, say, um, just in the titles or, or I can, you know, do it by keywords or I can do it even by category. And I can say, right, what what holes am I missing in that category? What have I covered? What haven't I covered? You know, if I'm getting bored of one topic, I'm going to think, okay, cool, right, let's move on. Let's have something that's slightly related to that. And maybe I've written a post that kind of overlaps, but I haven't, dis- you know, haven't discussed, discussed topic B that much. So I can go write loads about topic B. Um, so, yeah, so I'm a massive proponent of having having a content map, having a content plan, having a framework that works for you, that has everything written down. And so you can be structured, even if you're not structured in terms of how you approach things, which I would want to slap you on the head because I think, you know, consistency <laughs> and having structure, even if it's the loosest amount of structure and loosest amount of consistency that you can have, is, is going to help you actually win the race, <laughs> right? <Yep>. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so that's, how, that's how I organize things. The the other thing is with, with say updating content, it's about understanding that you're in a dynamic marketplace, and so a lot of people and I know you will have experienced this all the time. A lot of people think they 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 build their website and think job done, right? Yeah. And it's not because that you know their marketplace is constantly changing. People are bringing new products, buying behaviors are changing. How you're selling to them is changing. And so you need to be updating content as often as you know, as often as you realize these changes or little tweaks happen in the marketplace. So you need to be updating, but also you need to be updating as you you improve your your own voice as as a writer, um, and also as you improve your your understanding of a topic, because you you may write something that's com- com- completely kind of out of out of line with what the industry is going or where the industry is, but it takes you six months to realize that you've done that. I think it's really, really important that you can go back and you can say, actually, right, I can just tweet this slightly because of what I've learned here. And no one's going to prosecute for you for that. No one's going to be upset. You might get a couple of angry emails and that, that make you want to rethink and make you rewrite, which is, <laughs> I think is a really, really positive thing. Right? Um, but, but I think that's a really, really kind of positive thing. The the other thing with rewriting as well, and this kind of speaks to the, 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 the formal point, we don't, we, we don't operate in a straight line. I think a lot of people, so a mutual contact with just launched a podcast and you know, he spent weeks obsessing about what titles to use, what descriptions to use. I said to him, you know, one night on a group call, I said, just get the damn thing out there. And, you, you know, it's a law of improvement. You can sit, you can sit back in three weeks time when you launch, you know, 10 episodes and see what, you know, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what has been engaging, what hasn't been engaging. You can keep testing things. And then you can roll that out as best practice across everything. And yeah. you can hopefully boost everything else as well. And I think that's really, really important is that it's, it's you're having to continually improve, it, improve yourself and improve what you, your, your output is. 
Well, I mean, you can look at your low-performing articles too, like which ones yeah, aren't getting cool. as much traffic. Cool. So yeah. it's like go back and start with those maybe, like right. if you're not sure what yeah. to update, but you yeah. know you need to do it. I think it's like what, every three to six months? Right. Like, right. I mean, I usually tell people like depending on what your cycle is, like a lot of business owners, you know, they do quarterly planning. That's yeah. become really yeah. popular now. Like every yeah. quarter you kind of do a new yeah. plan. Use that opportunity. Go look at like cool. your lowest performing blog articles and figure out why and go fix those. Mm, you know, mm. so I guess that would kind of be applicable in this like affiliate yeah. blogging strategy too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. whatever yeah. your cycle is, three months, yeah. six months, whatever, make a yeah. list of which ones to go groom. Mm. And then you get some extra bang without having to write new content all the exactly. time too. Exactly. I think people yeah. don't realize that like, yeah, you will eventually kind of exhaust almost everything you could say on a topic, which is the cool part about this content strategy. Yeah. You know, you have your topics and you have all the stuff you can say. Yeah. It would yeah. take you a while. I mean, you'll right, probably have right. 100, 200 articles, but you could yeah. eventually exhaust most everything you could say about right. it. Yeah. Then you can just go update stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to produce as much new. No. And having systems, I think, is important too. Like, I tell people all the time, like, look for ways you can reduce the mental calorie load. Yeah. And I think people don't think about that because like no. just building the system is a high mental calorie task to start with. It's very yeah. intimidating. But once you have it, it's like having a checklist you can follow. So you're not having to yeah, think about yeah. it every single time. It reduces the mental calories of the task and you're more likely to sit down and actually do it. Mm, mm. Um, little tricks like that. Like, I mean, yeah. I even noticed just on my daily to-do list, you know, I follow the eat the frog strategy and I right. have my frog. But that means I start every day looking at my biggest, scariest, you know, task I have to get myself through. If I simply make my checklist for what goes with that task the night before, so when I sit down, I have my checklist. Yeah. Well, now my frog isn't so scary anymore. Right. So it's like right. the same kind of thing applies to so many people are so afraid to write. They're yeah. so afraid to put out content. They're like, oh, I don't mm. know what to write about. I don't yeah. know how long it needs to be. I don't know what to do on the title. And I have seen people like literally spend eight hours yeah. writing like a 800 word article. It's like that is an hour per hundred words. Like it really shouldn't take that long. What is, how long do you think it takes? Like if somebody's writing one article, how long should it take? So I'm going to be political here and answer a different question. <laughs> Just to your last point, if that's okay. <laughs> so I think the real problem with writing is that we, we're taught a very academic way in, in school and in college of how to write. And that's not actually how people have conversations. And I think if you change your mindset so you're having conversations just in writing... Right, and you're speaking in your own vernacular. You're speaking in the in the idioms and the idiosyncrasies that you talk in every day. You can write a lot faster. Well, I think if you come with this preconceived idea, it actually has to be very formal. It has to be very dry, very boring, very stale. Yeah, no, no doubt it's going to take you eight hours to write you know, a thousand words because you're, you're obsessing over each word. Whereas I think if you think, right, how can I, you know, how, how can I turn this into a conversation in the pub? You know. Yeah, you know, say, say we're having, say we're having a look. We we bounce ideas back with the forwards like we are doing now on this podcast, right? And how can we turn that into to a piece of content? And it, you know, none of us have said anything that's you know, um, well, I probably use a couple of five syllable words, but right, but but that's because <laughs> because of my recovery. Um, but does that make sense? So you know, I I just think the best tip you can for writing is just think about having a conversation with somebody. If you're really struggling, then get a, get your phone out, record, or get onto Loom or onto the Zoom even, and just call yourself having a conversation with yourself about a topic, and then transcribe that and start there. Because you know yeah. you shouldn't really be spending more than probably two or three hours, maybe four max, if you're doing lots of research on writing a thousand words, two thousand words. So. Yeah, I know I've done a thousand word articles in about 45 minutes, I think was my right. fastest. Right. I think my typical is about an hour and a half. Right. Starting cold, like I just have the topic and yeah. I know I want to talk about it and that's kind of it. Yeah. It can take me about an hour and a half, I think on average. Yeah. Um, I know my system is I, I get the intro put out so that I'm very clear on what it is we're trying to do. Like yeah. I use the hook story pitch format. Like if this is yeah. you, if this is what you're trying to learn, this is what you're going to yeah. get yeah. out of reading yeah. this article. Um, I build the outline and then I have voice type. Like, I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize like Google Docs has voice typing built in. Okay, sure. So sure, yeah. I get my outline first because, and this yeah. is just fine. This is what works for me. Like yeah. I noticed if I just start talking and just use voice typing and talk about the topic, I tend to ramble. 
and I get, I kind of bounce around and it's not very organized and structured. Mm. So somebody was trying to follow me, they would be like, wait, what? Hang on. So like, I have to get like my main headings, my kind of outline down for like, you know, like say I'm going to teach them eight things. I'll get my eight things. Right. right, You know, or if I'm going to teach them three steps, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. Then I'll go into each one and I'll voice type that out. Yeah. You know, and for me, that's just like, it's so much faster once you start voice typing and it's like, you kind of screw grammar. Yeah. You know, yeah. like screw yeah. grammar best practices. Like yeah. you can have like two words on one line, it's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I love I love that you circled back to that. So it's not just a time yeah. thing. It's a like, you know, be you know, just conversational, yeah. quit trying to write mm. academically. Cause mm. yeah, that's a huge thing. I know like we even have that issue when we bring on new writers and they try and yeah. write so academically and it's like that's not what we do here. No, no. Um, but we write but, conversationally. Yeah, exactly. But but I also think it's about I, I I think people struggle because they don't have a really really solid idea of who they're talking to, and they don't they can't picture that person. I think if you can picture that person, because again, with you know, as a bank manager told me twelve thirteen years ago, people buy people, right? So you're not saying to another business, you're saying to another person. That's always the case. You know, if you try to convince another person of anything, of buying a product or believing in your idea, or you know, or coming out with you tomorrow night on on a date you're still having a conversation with one with another person. And so therefore, if you have a really, really strong mental image of that person that you're trying to talk to, it makes it so much easier to write in their vernacular and also understanding how they may talk and how they may react to certain things or how they may, you know, get certain phraseologies that, you know, that is in their kind of their, their natural parlance. So, because I, I often say a lot of my my humor is you know it's the things that aren't said and and it's the it's a uh, it's a supposition of of like the duality of of the wording so i'll, I'll give you an example so and my best friend replies it's hilarious is if say i walk down the street and i see like um like a board game just lying on the street i always go oh well that's the fire street art in in the town because you know it's it, it, it's a duality of you know it, it's quite a random object to find, but as like a piece of art, it's kind of creative, right? Yep. Um, I guess modern art isn't really that that kind of um, intellectually kind of stimulating in, in that kind of way. You know, it's just, it's the three things at once. Um, yeah. So that that's how I kind of think about these kind of things. But yeah, so I I, I think if if you can grasp onto a really, really strong idea of who you're talking to. And it's true, like you're having a conversation with them, like they're you, you, your best friend down the pub, or you're having a meal. Then you can actually get much, 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 much further in in a short period of time. Yeah, man, that's why I start every article with the intro because it's exactly. like, and, and exactly. I follow that same format, that hook yeah. story pitch format. You know, this is who I'm talking to. This is what's going on in their life, and yeah. this is what yeah. I want them to get out of reading this article. Yeah, absolutely. it's the hardest part to write. Like yeah. it will literally take me just as long to write the introduction as it will to write the rest of the article. Mm. Because once you've gotten really clear, like you said, who it is you're speaking to, yeah. the rest of the article comes so much easier does, from there. It Cause it's yeah. like, we know what, who we're speaking to. We know what's going on in their life. We know yeah. what it is. We want them to get out of the article. Yeah. That's the rest That's just it. comes, yeah. you know, it's so easy. So I love, I've kept you for so long. I just looked at the time on this. No, we have amazing. been talking for like 48 minutes. It's going to be one of my <laughs> it's longest good. episodes. It's good. Um, so like wrapping it up here, like we've talked up. a lot about we what, have. you know, some of the stuff in your zone of expertise, but like, who do you work with? What do you do? How can someone find you if they want to work with you? So I've just released a course, which is called the Content Map Course, which basically teaches you my my framework. It's $49 at the moment. And you have to agsdigitalgroup.co.uk. And it's on there. I also do consulting. So I work with consultants, affiliate sites, and e-commerce brands, basically to help them build out a content strategy because either they're competing in a market that is really competitive and therefore they can't go and buy ads, or maybe they're doing something that isn't explainable in like a Google ads. So I've got one client at the moment who teaches um, accountants become CFOs, fractional CFOs. And so obviously you can't really explain that in a, in a two sentence Google ads. So it's about trying to educate people who are accountants who are fed up that there is another path to make more money and to have a better work-life balance. You know, how to actually, you know, communicate their value in a, in a unique way to get them paid more for less. 
and so yes yeah, so that's really really exciting so that's kind of what i help people do away from obviously running a couple of affiliate sites myself so i'm not just one of these people that um has launched the course with no no nightmares i've got all the scars and the <laughs> Or the horror stories to, to, to you know to to back up my experience. <laughs> yep, definitely. And I'll make sure that link is so like wherever you guys are watching Fantastic. this from Lovely. out on the web, I'll make sure it links straight to yeah. his website too. Um, so any final like parting tips or advice that you want to share with our audience? So yeah, um, if you have a question for me, come and hit me up on Instagram. I'm a underscore j underscore Saunders. Um, think about building out your content map so that you have you have like the next six, nine, twelve months all ready to go. Because then you can start to plan how you're going to do it and who's going to execute for you. And so, a lot of people that I work with, they what, what they want to do, they want to become better editors rather than writers, which creates massive opportunity for people like you with content ninjas. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it it that's what what I suggested. So. You know, decide where you're going and how you're going to get there and then try and build out the processes and the plan in place that can help you reach that quicker. Because, you know, I've, I've never met somebody that has had a really stupidly ambitious goal that isn't achievable, even if it's going to take them a decade to get there, right? Yeah. I've, exactly. I've met a bunch of sisters who have, you know, really, really crazy goals that are just impossible, no matter how, you know. <laughs> but realistically, people that have, you know, big goals they're, they're still realistic because they're you know they're so yeah so that's what that's what i would say but again like with anything you know if you want to get good at something just start and so and you know i know i've said this for you as well as me some of the early articles that i i would never show anyone because they're just horrendous right but yeah. <laughs> but after doing it now for, for, for a couple of years of writing over a million words i've got kind of a bit better at writing and be able to kind of write in different voices and write in different vernaculars. And that's what I think is, you know, is so important. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think like, I'm reminded of something from Tony Robbins. Like we, uh, we overestimate what we can do in a week and we underestimate what we can do in five years. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's like when you're planning out your goals, like just get it, just make it happen. I yeah. like what you said on that. Like just yeah. start taking action. I mean, that's kind yeah. of our whole thing here at exactly. ETA. That's exactly. like what we're all about, right? <laughs> exactly. Take, take action. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, on that note, thank you so much for doing this with no, me today. Really, I think you've really shared amazing. so much advice. I learned things. <laughs> so like, I know this was good, right? Um, <laughs> so entrepreneurs guys, this is your call to take action. Like join Absolutely. our community at Zone. You'll learn how to build a business that enables your lifestyle without taking over your life. And you're going to meet experts just like AJ that are hanging out in the community, teaching people really cool things, sharing their knowledge. So definitely come join us over there. And until next time, guys, bye.